This is the Blue White Breakdown, the premier podcast for all things Penn State football. Talk about culture. It's something that should show up in every aspect of your program. It's the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. Here are your hosts, Bob Flounders and David Jones. Dave Jones. Welcome back to the Blue White Breakdown. My name is Bob Flounders. We're gonna talk some Penn State football. Uh, I know that Kaiser is is close by as we record this on a Wednesday, late morning, December 13th. You've got your SMU uh, t-shirt on. You're always rocking the the old school t-shirts. I like that one. I forgot how much red was involved in the color scheme, but how are you? I haven't fed Kaiser, that's why he's nearby. If you want to just feed him real quick, I could talk for a good 60 seconds if you want. Do you remember the Chris Elliott gag on uh, the, the old late night where he, he did a taste test between new and old kennel ration and opened up the can? <laughs> took a giant spoonful. Of, I think he actually took, I mean, people have eaten dog food who are starving, and he took a giant spoonful of this congealed and took a huge bite of it. And then he, he tried the new kennel ration, and people are going, oh, I, and he's like, and then he goes, Dave, I can't tell any difference. <laughs> Dave, I wanted you to know, and maybe some Penn State fans to know, because it'll explain a lot about me. My senior year at the University of Scranton, I had lived at an off, they didn't have, they didn't have fraternities or anything. It was too small of a school. So we lived in an off-campus house. There was 13 of us in this house, but it was a big house. We lived there for a couple of years. We had a lot of parties there. And halfway through the senior year, they condemned our house because of the parties. It's actually like Animal House. They still let it caught on fire. It was great. Uh, I, I lived on the third floor and the fire had a, put a hole in the roof. My landlord, my scummy landlord never fixed it. It was you, wasn't it? It was you freebasing in the third floor. <laughs> it was wasn't not. It? Uh, um, but yeah, so they let us live in it for the second part of the year, even though it was condemned. But you mentioned like, uh, dog food. I never ate dog food, Dave, but my, one of my favorite things because we were on a tight budget was that craft macaroni in a, <laughs> that craft macaroni in the box. It's the like, cheesiest. It's like 99 cents. Yeah. And we were, you know, we were. That was the old ramen noodles of yeah. the day. Yeah. And we didn't have a ton of money. And late at night, if I was really hungry, and I looked in the fridge with 13 guys. If there if there wasn't like any uh, milk, I would I, I could I would put chocolate milk uh, and mix chocolate milk in with a macaroni and cheese and eat it that way. It looked really bad, but it tasted really good. What? Yeah. I can't even. It's not that different. You know, I was in Atlanta. The la- maybe the last time I was in Atlanta. Yeah. And a buddy of a buddy, a, f- a guy I don't really know that well. Took me to a place where maybe I can find this place. I'll call them up. Yeah. Where they take bacon. They make their own bacon. Sure. Oh, then, that's certainly going to have your attention. And then they put ladles full of like natural oily peanut butter on a plate and you dip it. Have you ever done this? Yeah. Well, I would do it. Yeah. That's Oh, and, and you think, what? And then you go, oh. Yeah. Oh, I think I would it. And so good for you also. Oh, it's very good for you. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of healthy ingredients there. Dave, just tell the Penn State fans a little bit about your love for bacon, because we've uh, everyone that's kind of traveled with you on the road. It's love hate because I shouldn't buy it because I don't want to kill hogs. Uh, They're smart animals. And 
and yet it tastes so good. And yet um, you always get like triple orders of bacon. Well, if it's a buffet and it's there and it doesn't cost 10 live anymore, <laughs> I'm going to fuel up. It's better than eating that gruel in the press. <laughs> it's usually Saturday morning. We could be at Purdue or something. No, they never had a buffet at that place. Remember that place on the on the interstate? Oh, Interstate 65. That yeah, it was office. like a, a gas yeah. and go or something like that. <laughs> that was our hotel. <laughs> we had a room in the gas and I'm go. I'm trying That's to imagine you being torn because it's you you love hogs, but then you like devour your body weight in bacon. Before. I can always rationalize, well, they've already killed them. You know. <laughs> uh, Let, let's uh let's get back. We we have a lot to get to. I didn't realize we got some uh we got some good info for you coming from you on Lane Kiffin. And the Kiffin family, old Miss head coach. But let's just talk a little bit about last time we chatted, Dave. Uh, Penn State's player movement is going to continue to happen at Penn State this month before the bowl game. Chop Robinson. You never expected Chop to stick around, did you? That was That's not even yeah. – I just wanted to talk more just about an appreciation maybe that you had for getting to watch him. And also, even though – I would say this, Dave. Even though Penn State just, just now is really ramping up their NIL program regarding the transfer portal, even they, they've done a really good job being selectively adding players in the transfer portal the last three or four years. Chop Robinson's won. Johnny Dixon was a tremendous addition via the transfer portal. Hunter Norzad, transfer portal guy. Arnold Ebichetti, transfer portal guy. Mitchell yeah, yeah. I mean, they have been. They have been when they target somebody and and they get them to Penn State. Invariably, they have they have developed their game significantly, and I think it's it's it is a tribute to the strength and conditioning program and James and his and his assistant coaches and the way they bring them along. But they've been very very good in the transfer. Program. They have resources that, let's face it, at school like Temple just does not have, and. I'm also torn about this because I respect low and mid-major programs in basketball, um, G5s in football, and the fact that they will develop, they will recruit and develop a kid that they see something in, uh, like CHOP, and then they fly off to a, a big Power 5 school like Penn State. And I hate that about it, about the transfer portal, because that is not going to stop. It's just going to continue, and that does suck. But on the other hand, from from Chop's standpoint, look, he never would have gotten the opportunities to show his wares, to develop his body, to get primo coaching from a couple of really good coaches that he did at Penn State. I mean, he's under Rod Carey at Temple. It's a program going nowhere. Chop, Chop was at Maryland, and and oh, uh, that's, that's right. I, I was thinking. I'm, I'm, yeah, I know you're talking I'm about, about it. Eddie because yeah. Right. Um, sorry, I got. I got, I got but it's the same kind of situation. You know, Brian, Brian <laughs> Williams. you say that about Mike Loxley's program. <laughs> I, They've been very competitive with Penn State the last two where, years. Where is Ebiketti, by the way? I, I lost track he of was him. A, he's, a, he's with the Atlanta Falcons. He's, he's had a good uh, year this year. Uh, second round pick to, in a couple, a couple of drafts ago. But what a good player he was at Penn State. He was really good in one year. I was impressed. Well, and that was the first year that the portal became the portal, right? Yeah, really. It was, yeah, because he he joined them prior to the 2021 season. And that's because 2020 was a COVID year and he couldn't really, couldn't really do it. I mean, do you remember him at Temple? No. 
I had to look him up, and I looked at his numbers. I'm like, hey, this guy looks like he's pretty good. He was like an all second team, all whatever t- league Temple's in. He was a second team all league choice. But there you go. I mean, I, I start. I got two. I transposed two players, but it's the same thing. It's actually more so with Ebiketti than it is with Chop because Ebiketti would never have had the opportunities that he did at Penn State, and you you saw right away. The Wisconsin game, that first game at Wisconsin. Yeah, I'm like, you were going, man, this, uh, it was yeah, a close game. And what, game. He took, they was, couldn't block him. It was a close game, and what he did mattered. And He won the game, and so did Graham Mertz for Penn State. <laughs> By the way, have you seen Graham Mertz's uh, uh, numbers at Florida? Did you see the record they had this year? Five at seven. Yeah, but his numbers are great compared he's, to the He's the, the king of the checkdowns, man. If in the red zone, he's a failure. <laughs> He's a complete failure. You're 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 a Mertz mauler. You just won't give him a break. Uh, I can't argue with that. Anyway, the, the, to to your point about the or my point about the portal, it's great to see these guys get an opportunity. Um, and even in Chop's situation with Maryland, you know, he 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 could have had the same opportunities there, but he's following. He's ascending the ladder, even from Maryland to Penn State. And if he feels like this is the way he can really get better, then he should be able to do it. And he did, man. He did. Uh, who knows what happens to him at Maryland if he stays there? It doesn't always work that way, but it did this time. Two more transfer portal guys to talk to before we get to some uh, some Peach Bowl stuff and some Manny Diaz stuff. Um, Johnny Dixon and also, you know, a guy like Hunter Norzad to come from. I know he was really good at the Ivy League at Cornell. But to, to come to Penn State, play a meaningful role his first year at guard last year and be a second-team All-Big Ten center this year replacing Juice Scruggs, I mean, there were some, there were some moments <clears throat> that, you know, he, you know, he got beat. But when you're playing against Ohio State and Michigan, you're going to look bad once in a while. But the guy, it, it's hard to play center. And he was a great – I think considering where he came from, he might even be a, a better example of what Penn State can do for transfer portal guys than, than any of the other players, because that's really hard to make that jump, I think. Yeah, and that's always going to happen. It's always going to happen um, in a place from like Harvard to Penn State, where you're going to find out what you can do. You might find out what your ceiling is, but you also might find out how much better you can be. And it was never going to happen for him at Harvard. I mean, come on. Well, he was you, at Cornell. Or, uh, can I get one of these right? You sure, know, you're, you're you're just rounding into form. It's it's, it's you know it's not. You're it's gonna, Ivy League. It's all Ivy gonna, League. You, yeah. you peaked when you talked about bacon and how much you loved hogs. But you're gonna bring it back with Lane, the kids stories you're gonna tell. Let's just start over. Um, yeah, we're good. It's 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 Ivy any Ivy Ivy League school up to that. You're not you're not gonna find out what you can do. Especially there, he's got he's got nose tackles breathing down his neck, and it's it's a hard position at this level. And he did struggle in the middle of the season. I think all the interior line did, but by the end of the year, he was starting to round into shape and having better games. And I don't know, is he going to get a look in the NFL? Sure, I think so. I would also say this, and I, I hate to, I don't other than outside of the Big Ten and a couple of SEC schools. I think a lot of conferences really don't care about playing, you know, good defense. And so as an offensive lineman, you're not getting tested like you're getting tested in the Big Ten. Even like even in the Illinois game, when you got to go against that Newton guy when they're moving him around, 
that's not a great Illinois team. That guy's going to be a first round pick. And he he created he caused havoc against Penn State in that early that early season game out in Champaign. I just think the defensive play, the defensive line play in the Big Ten is is going to test you uh, maybe better than at most other conferences. And you better be able to move your feet. Yeah, yeah. Against certain of these guys, Johnny Johnny Newton did that all year too. I mean, Penn State played him early. But I'm watching. He was. He might have been the best defensive lineman I saw against Penn State for the for the power pull. Let me tell you, there's no no one better than him in the SEC. Not this year. Sometimes some years there is. There isn't this year. Uh, yeah, he's gonna be. He's gonna be a terror. Can you imagine though going from going from playing in the Ivy League and you're seeing these monsters at different positions for the first time, and even going against the Penn State line in practice? You know, it's just it's it's a baptism by fire, and some people don't handle it and other people get used to it and start to thrive. And I think Hunter did that. Yeah. And it took him a little time. I mean, I think Penn state's schedule helped him because it ramped up kind of gently. you got West Virginia to start, but then uh, he didn't really have to deal with Newton because he's inside Iowa in September. That that's a good defense. You can, you can say what you want about the offense. That's a really good defense. Well, what do you make of, um, the Mississippi Penn State matchup. I don't know if you've looked at it too much. I did. I did. Um, it, to me, you know, it, I know that Ole Miss scored all those points, but when they played two decent defenses, it, it their offense really couldn't do much uh, in the Alabama and Georgia games. And I, I know, I do know the running back is very, very, very good. Uh, the sophomore running back. I think one of the best running backs in the country. I'm not sure. What this, what, what this, this court, how good this quarterback is, or how, how into the game Lane Kiffin's actually going to be. I would be surprised if Penn State didn't win this game. I would. Well, you never know who's going to show up in these games. And I don't mean Penn State usually does. They have, but there's also been Kentucky's, there's been Arkansas's where they haven't. But I mean, under Franklin, you know, the 2021 Outback Bowl, they, all the, that was, that was a different story because they lost like eight players before the game. If if the majority of the team plays in this game, I think I think I think Old Miss is going to have their hands full. And what do you think about the way they call the defense uh, with Manny Diaz not there? Yeah, so I think it'll be. I'm almost positive it's going to be Poindexter because he's been in DC before. That's pretty obvious, but but will he be able to call it with the same savvy? He's been he's been a DC. Yeah. That's a good question. I'm sure he got a, a, an up close view of how Manny gets ready and preps and game plans, but I don't know that there's many better than Manny, and I, I'm sure it'll look a little bit different. But Poindexter has done a fantastic job as the safeties coach at Penn State. I know, I know, coordinating the UConn defense and coordinating the Penn State defense for a game isn't the same thing, but when you have the athletes Penn State has, I mean. It does. I think it makes your job a lot easier, Dave. It really does. Well, there are people who think that this game will be that that the way Diaz's defenses work will be something like Texas A&M's defense. Uh, they've compared it to that. Um, they think that the 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 way that that and, and Lane Kiffin. It's funny. Lane Kiffin's kind of an offensive guru. Uh, he's always been an offensive coach, has he not? Yeah. And yet his dad Monty was a defensive crew. Sure thing. Crew. 
who was responsible for the Tampa two, I think, or was that, uh, that was, I think that was him and Lovey Smith together because Lovey's a defensive coach too. I think that's right. Cause Lovey was there at that time, but I think Lane, I think Monty was there when Gruden won the Super Bowl for them. It was the O2 season, the O3 game against the Raiders, right? I only wonder what this would have been like with Lane Kiffin and Joe Paterno at the same bowl game. Because <laughs> do you remember the bowl game where we had we had Spurrier and it was kind of an off year for Spurrier and, and Spurrier's such a smart ass. He's kind of like a droll and and kind of a muted sense of muted muted smart ass sense of humor. That's Lane Kiffin, and. Uh, he has a great sense of humor. Monty had an incredible sense of humor from what I've heard. Um, so there are a lot of like that way. So he should be fun in some of the press conferences. I mean, he's, he's kind of snarky and says some goofy stuff. But wasn't he mentioned for the Auburn job at, at, when, it, when it was open? I think I did. I, I don't know how serious it got, but I think his name was associated with it for sure at the start. Yeah. Well, those people are crazy. Uh, and <laughs> clearly, they, they hired Brian Harson, So you know it's like a committee. <laughs> One of your favorites. One of your it's just not a fit. Why would they hire him? And, and Lane has been all over the place. He was, he was at Tennessee. He was at USC. Uh, one of the youngest head coaches ever. Wasn't he the Raiders head coach when he was yeah, super young? Yeah, I mean, really young. Yeah, Ridiculous. Yeah. Al Davis, another crazy man, uh, just seated him in the job. Like what? But he's you talk about a trial by fire. The guy's had it, and now he's. I, I guess I didn't look it up. What do you think? He's forty, forty or something like that. Oh, he's a little bit older than that, but he's somewhere yeah. in his forties, probably. Yeah, he's old, younger than you would think because he started so young, uh, 43, 44. But he's kind of, kind of worn into this job in a really good way, and I think he's in a perfect place in Mississippi. Because while everyone in the SEC is crazy about winning, this place, it, it's a lot better fit for him than if he'd gone to Auburn. He's getting paid. Um, it's a little different in that it's, it's kind of a more refined atmosphere down there, the Grove. And, uh, you know, when I quit, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start doing college football road trips. And that and Mississippi is one place I want to go. Oxnard, right? I want to go to Ox, Oxford, Oxford, Mississippi and, and see that. See that? Are any of us going to get anything right in this podcast? <laughs> I had the first two letters right, so I'm going to take partial. <laughs> it's Oxnard, California, but that's not a yeah, yeah. And that is one place I would love to go. So they're going to bring the entire city up to Atlanta. I think they're pretty excited about it at ten and two. Their ten and two is more exciting for them. They never than, had an eleven win season than Penn State's ten and two. And I'm actually trying to get a hold of uh, trying to get a hold of Eli Manning to talk about the place, which I think would be fun. I'm working through ESPN. We'll see if that develops to talk about what a unique place it is, even in the SEC, uh, because they like they like their drinking down there, but they also have it at tailgates, like they'll have candelabras. They'll have. They'll have fine, fine dining with white tablecloths in in the tailgating. They call it the Grove. There's a lot of trees. It's 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 different in a refined way. Refined drinking. I got it. Ref I don't know anything about refined drinking, but I got. Well, they drink. Yeah. So they have fun martinis and and 
and mixing in, in big bowls. And no one's drinking slits at the tail. They have a yeah, it's a it's a little bit different kind of tailgating than they they dress up and it's a different thing than the rest of even the SEC. What I think is really gonna be fun is imagine if this was a playoff game. Uh, it, imagine if it was next year and either Ole Miss is in state college or Penn State in Oxford. Wouldn't it be great? Penn State fans would love that trip. Of course. It's going to be great. People, and, and that is seed number five to seed number 12, those eight teams are going to play at home sites in, in the playoffs. And people can't, people aren't talking about it because they can't envision it yet. But you're going to have Southern teams coming up north in, in December, freezing their asses off. That's never happened before. It's never happened before. The only place it's happened is, I guess, the, the, the pinstripe bowl where like Duke would come up to New York City. That's it. But that's not like SEC teams coming up to a place like Beaver Stadium or Penn State going down to a home game in Oxford, Mississippi. I mean, that is going to be terrific. It will be better than this in a domed, a big dome stadium. Dave, don't you think if he ever wanted to, considering his how his his coaching career has gone, Lane Kiffin could write a phenomenal book because oh, yeah. a chapter on Pat Hayden, a chapter on Nick Saban. Do you remember Pat Hayden? Hayden met him at the airport and told him to to, to don't even get on the team bus. Didn't it wasn't that how he fired him after that I one? I forgot event? all about that, but you're yeah, right. Yeah, so yeah. he met him. He said, "Like you're no, you're good. You're gonna stay right here. You're not going back." I don't think fired him. There's a year at Tennessee where no one talked about anything except his his like smoking hot wife. <laughs> you remember ex-wife? Isn't it? Yeah, now, now it's an ex-wife. Yeah, uh, yeah. He could write a book. I would want to ghostwrite that book. Al Ooh. Davis, Pat Hayden, Tennessee, Nick Saban. That shouting match on the sideline, trying to trying to coach under him. And now he's got his own place. I think this is a really a happy place for him because there's not too much pressure. They're not going to flip out. If they don't beat, uh, and now with no divisions in the SEC, they're going to have a shot at being pretty good all the time, and that's good enough for people at Ole Miss. They they want to win, but they're not used to big winning. Uh, this is a this is a this is a perfect place for him, and I don't think they have any illusions at Ole Miss about who they are or who they should be because they never won any. Well, I guess they won the 1962 national title or something like that, right? They did. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not sure about that, but yeah, I, I just remember Eli. Eli played at Ole Miss, and uh, our friend Ernie Acorsi. Ernie Acorsi drafted him because he said he did. He did a great job because he didn't have any help, and he kept he kept him in like every game. Well, let me tell you, his dad Archie was one of the great college quarterbacks at all t- of all time. But they never they never sniffed anything regarding a national championship in 1970 71 when he when Archie played. Um, they don't expect that much, unlike another 10-2 and two team in this bowl. I'm, pretty, I'm picking up what you're putting down. I got well, it. Well, this is what I'm saying. There are expectations of a couple of programs in this bowl, so I'm going to have to disagree with you about who I think is going to win this game, and we'll talk about that later, because I think Mississippi is happy to be there, and I don't think there's any discord and I think there's quite a bit of discord in the Penn State situation among the fan base. Uh, 
They're they're not happy with this game. I think Ole Miss is going to outdraw them two to one. Don't you? Going to Atlanta? What? Yeah, figure that what, what does that seat like eighty thousand? You're you're thinking it'll be like fifty thousand, thirty thousand, or something. They're like that. excited. They're the Ole Miss people are excited about this game. It's a big time game. I mean, they've they've been in the Sugar Bowl a couple years ago and they played Baylor, but that's not like playing a, a you know a bunch of Yankees. You know, they they they're into that. Um, I think they played TCU in the Peach Bowl a few many years ago, but that was that was a prior regime. Um, they they like this team. It's a fun, exciting team, and I think they're upbeat in a way that Penn State really is not. So whether that has an effect on the game, I don't know. But we'll we'll talk about that later. We can get to that later. This is the Blue White Breakdown. Hey Dave, we got let's before we uh, wrap this baby up. I wanted to make sure I got this to with you because I, you put a lot of time in, and effort into it, and I really care about it too. But the Heisman voting, how it played out, uh, we can discuss who we voted for. But do you feel like in the end that they got it right uh, with with who won it, and uh, just your thoughts on on the top three and uh, and kind of how things played out this year? Well, look, I mean. We've all seen quarterbacks with crazy stats where you kind of know, well, okay, it's a system guy. I mean, Tim, Timmy Chang had crazy stats. Was, was he the best quarterback that year at Hawaii? Probably not. But, but the Detmers. And I, yeah, I'm not, I think Jaden Daniels was just a terrific player, both as a runner and a passer. He played with a crap defense. And, I thought he just supported that program. I had no problem voting for him number one, and I did. Um, Marvin Harrison was my number two, and were it not for Jaden Daniels, he would have been my number one. I loved your number three pick, actually. I, and I'm in all sincerity, I thought you you did. Oh, we did talk about this, didn't we? Yeah, I yeah. I really yeah. liked your number three pick because I do think um, there's a lot of there were a lot of defensive coordinators that would love this guy and his impact as a you know, on defense, but also on special teams for, you know, it really, really, I, I don't know that I've seen just a winner, a better, a better Iowa player. Uh, and for all the things he did, I really thought you you got a really good. He's like a Bobby Sanders level as far as a guy. Cooper DeGene. Right? Cooper DeGene. Yeah. Just a Bobby Sanders level player as far as a guy who is, oh my God, it's him again. Who guess who, you know, the commentators always go guess who. Cooper DeGene was everywhere, and then he was a special teams ace. The incredible punt returner in an age where people don't really concentrate on punt returning. Fearless. Uh, if he intercepted a pass, you were afraid it was going to be a pick six every time. Uh, just uh, an incredible uh, runner after contact. You wondered if shouldn't he be – I was talking to Scott Dockerman in the middle of the season. I was like – why don't they put him in a slot receiver and use him like Tim Dwight or even on the outside? I mean, they didn't have anybody to, to, to run with that offense, at least use him a few plays on offense because he could have done that. Cooper DeGene was just a terrific player. He got hurt, unfortunately. I can't remember if it was the Illinois game, week week 11. It week half of the year, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Rutgers or Illinois they were playing, and that – that probably would have hurt his – not that anyone was thinking about him about a Heisman ballot, but but to me he was 
absolutely the defensive player of the year in the Big Ten. And I don't even know who won. Who did win? Do you know who won? Uh, I, th- I think it was the uh, Illinois defensive tackle, Newton. Oh, Johnny Newton. Yeah, that's they're, they're, they're like this. Two different kinds of players, but <clears throat> those two were clearly above everyone else in a, in a year that was supposedly gr- about great defense in the Big Ten, but I didn't think had a ton of dynamic players except those two guys. Yeah, yeah, and I think I think that the more I watched Dejean uh, play, and the more I realized that he was, you know, he he's a he was a pretty big defensive back. He's not a small player. He's he's got some good size to him. I think isn't he six foot and over two hundred pounds, something six like that. One, six one two oh three. Yeah, yeah, so that's that's some pretty good size. I'm not saying they're the same player, but a, a, some guy a guy that he reminded me a little bit of in the Big Ten for what he did for his team. Believe it or not, I, he's not as good. Rod Woodson in the Big Ten was, a, I think, a dynamic defensive back and also a lethal return man, I think. Was it at Purdue? I want to say Purdue. He played a lockdown – it's a long time ago. Lockdown corner, wasn't he? Yeah, right? yeah, he played corner and safety. I think he hurt – he got hurt in the pros and then he had to move to safety, but he was he was a really good corner with the and Steelers. When I compared him to Bob Sanders, Bob was a safety – so it's a different player because DeGene's a corner. But uh, I'm just talking about a guy who's always around the ball, and it's 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 harder to do for a corner. Uh, he's just constantly sniffing out ways to not only fulfill his responsibilities, but but jump off his guy and to get in the mix wherever the ball was. I mean, just a pest. Mm-hmm. He might be more valuable as a safety in the NFL because safety's in the NFL now and being able to cover in the slot and also show up in the run game. I wouldn't be surprised. He, he, if he has to, doesn't he? I mean, uh, he could he do whatever. To. He could play any position in the secondary, but I, if you if you draft him, you put him in however you coordinate your defense, whatever the most important position is, I'd probably just put him there. Yeah, he could be like that Blankenship kid with uh, the Eagles, right? Yeah, only much more talented. Yeah, Blankenship has a nose for the ball, though, yeah. man. You got to give him credit. He does. He does. But I mean, Cooper can cover, I think, quite a bit better. But we'll hopefully that 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 leg injury isn't too hard for him to bounce back. So, who'd you vote for? Talk, yeah. So talk I went Harrison number one. I just always look at it this way. I thought he was the best player in the country, and I thought that I I I thought that he 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 made that. Without him, Penn, I think Penn State's going to win that game. Without without Marvin Harrison, Penn State's probably going to beat Ohio State because. And I think that we're talking about Manny Diaz. I think if Manny had one regret, I think he would have approached covering Marvin a little bit differently in that game because he 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 did he. You know, I don't think he gave the the corners enough help, and he destroyed Penn State's secondary. I've never seen one player do that to a Manny Diaz secondary. I don't know how you even, you you would have had to play zone and then he would have just sat down in areas. And I mean, you could, you could give him help over the top and that could make the corner a little bit more aggressive, but to put a, a, I mean, Marvin had, I think six or seven inches on Kalen King. And you're right. He, he just, there, there had to be a different way though, to try and, if you I don't just, know. I don't know what you do, man. I mean, they they got a rub route and and ran him across the middle on the play yeah. of the game. But I mean, instead, if he just caught six passes for eighty yards and no touchdowns in that game, and so as opposed to what he did the last two years, he the last two years at Penn State, those might have been his two two of his three best games at Ohio I State. I don't know how you scheme against him 
when they can do that, once he gets a step, it's over. As long as the ball is placed where it is, he can outrun anybody. And I'm telling you, the Michigan game, if McCord has this much more time, Harrison is busting open on a post route because he just needed he needed a quarter of a second. And that ball is out. Kyle McCord's got a lot of issues, but arm strength is not one of them. Yeah, yeah. He right. was going over the top of that Michigan safety, and it was going to be a touchdown, and everything is different. Everything is different because Marvin Harrison is not going to be caught from behind on that play. That is a touchdown. It's a 60-yard touchdown or whatever it is. And all of a sudden, Ohio State is winning the game with a minute to go or less than that. There was 32 seconds or something. They're going to win the game. They were going to win the game 31-30. And then think of the ramifications. Kyle McCord's a hero. Uh, Ohio State's in the playoff. Um, Kyle McCord probably doesn't transfer out because he, he he's, he's the, the hero. I mean, it was that close because Harrison is such a weapon, man. He is, he is dangerous down there. And you can't overthrow him. You can't overthrow him. I mean, he could have thrown it to the back of the end zone and he would have gone and got it. Harrison, number one. Daniels, number two. I went with the Alabama. I thought the Alabama quarterback down the stretch played a lot better. Jalen Milrow. I put, I put him three uh, just because I th- – and I think, I think in the playoff – if Alabama, if Alabama wins it all, I think he'll be the reason. I really do if they don't. But I, I just think that he got more comfortable as the year went on and his talent started to take over and they were really, really tough to beat. By the way, I talked to Tony Barnhart, who's a really well-regarded. Uh, he's he's a, an old, <laughs> old dog down there and knows everything about everybody. I mean, he covered Lane Kiffin at North Carolina State. Recovered Monty Kiffin at North Carolina State. I almost got it. Almost did it again, man. I keep you're good. You're good. You're being consistent. Yeah, and I'm not. Monty Kiffin was like after, (laughs) after Lou Holtz. Right, this is a long time ago. Tony's seen everything, and he he of course he's covered the SEC his whole life, but he really likes Alabama in that Michigan game. I like him a lot. Yeah. (laughs) When when I talked to Tony about it, he was like echoing a lot of the things you were saying almost exactly. You would would have had a blast talking to him about this game. Yeah. I'd be surprised if Michigan wins it. I just think that, hey, Michigan's Michigan's really good, but they can only beat you a couple ways. And I think that I think that they are very, very I think you can kind of game plan if you have the athletes that you feel can match up with them. I, if it becomes a coaching matchup, I think I I do think I think that uh, Alabama's going to be a little bit better, and I I really think that athletically I think they're better than Michigan. I know Michigan's a good team, but I I just don't know. You know, you, like you said, Ohio State could have easily beat Michigan in Michigan, and I there's not a lot of they don't have a lot of different gears at Michigan. I think that was they, not the same game that it has been the last two years at all. Um, I think Milrow, uh, the Alabama quarterback, just started playing better. The, the chance Michigan has is, uh, remember I said this, is somebody like Mikey Sainter still um, fools him and makes a pick and runs it back. Michigan's defense has to show up, and I think they can because I don't think Alabama's offense is nearly as overwhelming as it has been with the great receivers the great running backs, the incredible offensive line. They are not that this year. Uh, So Michigan's defense is going to have to do something, and I think they have the guys to do it. 
So I'm not saying it's absolute. If I got to pick someone, I'm picking Alabama. But I think Michigan has a better chance to win this game, certainly, than they've done. Well, they, they should have beaten TCU, but they weren't going to beat Georgia. It was going to be the same thing as it was two years ago. Uh, so, so they got lucky getting TCU, and then they couldn't beat them. And we know why. They had dummies. <laughs> dummies. <laughs> I, I love that. I love that storyline. I know. It's so fantastic. <laughs> it's tremendous. <laughs> it's tremendous. It, I put it this way. I think this is the best chance a Big Ten team has had to match up with a big-time SEC program in a while. Uh, I still don't think Michigan is good, but I think they got a shot. But, man, their defense is going to have to make some plays for them to win. Don't fall behind. Do not fall behind, J.J. McCarthy. I think it could get it could get a little nasty. They're not, they're not going to be able to gum this game to death winning at scrimmage because they're not going to win. They're not going to have a big win at scrimmage. They're, they're going to do well to just get a draw at scrimmage on both sides of the ball. All right. I'm with you, Dave. I'm with you. All right. Well, that was a pretty quick 35, 36 minutes. We, we covered a lot of ground, Dave. I know you got to get back to feed your dog, so we're going to let you go. And, I messed uh, up a lot of names. You messed up one. Yeah. Oxnard, Oxford. Hey, it happens. It happens. It happens. I'm still trying to get a wrap my head before we go. I'm trying to envision like the the – some of the fancier old Miss fans showing up at State College for a playoff game when it's 11 degrees and trying <laughs> to have a nice tailgate set up. And, you know, Penn State fans are all around them doing, like, keg stands. I'm sad I'm not going to see this because I, I, I'm really looking forward to this. I'll just do it. I'll just do it on my own. Yeah. All right, guys. We'll be back to talk about Penn State real soon. Dave slightly leaning right now towards Old Miss and Alabama. I'm, I'm, I am. I think Penn State's going to win, and I really like Alabama a lot. So we'll see. Uh, we could still change our minds. This has been the Blue White Breakdown, brought to you by Penn Live. <laughs>